and Steve and Melissa for the great music we've had today. We've come now to the main message of our service and uh, we'll start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we've come here today so that we can be changed. We know that you're transforming us and we just pray that we can personally get out of the way and let you do your work. Help us to put on righteousness. That's, that's your plan for us. So Lord, uh, as we study your word today, touch our heart as well as our minds. Help us to learn and give us the desire to be the kind of people, the kind of children that you want us to be, sons and daughters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Well, since this week is the 4th of July and uh, we commemorate the birth of our country, I wanted to start the sermon today by talking a little bit about that. You know, when our Constitution was being drafted, that uh, fragment of paper that's so important to the founding of our, our country, uh, they got it ready and they passed it along to the states that we had at that time for ratification. And there was a lot of disapproval, especially by a man that I think you know by the name of Patrick Henry. He looked at the Constitution the way it was read, and he understood that this country was going to be so different it was going to be a country of freedom compared to all of the countries that people came out of to come here. They came here to live in freedom. And Patrick Henry felt that the Constitution did not spell out the freedoms that we're to enjoy clearly enough. So he demanded that something be added. So sure enough, they came up with what they called the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights specifically points out clearly the freedoms that we're to enjoy as Americans. So the first 10 amendments to the Constitution or the Bill of Rights set forth our rights or our freedoms that all Americans are to enjoy. For example, the freedom of religion. The Bill of Rights stated that we have the freedom to worship in any way that we choose or to choose not to worship at all. We have that freedom. The freedom of speech, in other words, the right to express your ideas and opinions whenever you feel like it. That's the freedom of speech. Freedom of the press, that we can express our ideas and opinions in writing, in the press, whatever form that may be. Freedom of assembly, we have the freedom to gather together, to hold meetings, as we're doing right now. And we give God thanks for that freedom, freedom of assembly, freedom of petition. You have the right or the freedom to ask your government to do something or to refrain from doing something. You have that right. The right to bear arms, the right to own and possess weapons, not just to defend against enemy nations, but if necessary, to defend against your own government if it should turn tyrannical. We have the right, uh, the no quartering right, where the government does not have the right to station soldiers in your house. That seems kind of crazy now, but back in the early years, it was very important. The right to equal justice. You, know, you have the right to uh, defend yourself in court or you know, and that right is open to all people. The right to own private property. The right to enjoy many other freedoms. In other words, the right to travel in any state that you choose. 
the right to, to work at any job for which you qualify, freedom to marry and raise a family, freedom to receive a free education in the public schools, freedom to join a political party, a union, and other legal groups. You know, we take these freedoms for granted many times. Uh, but we have to understand that our country was set up in a radically different way. Because when you study history, the history of Europe, the history of the whole world, most, in most cases, governments were run by tyrants. People were enslaved. People had few, if any, rights uh, throughout history. So America, in so many ways, was different. It was radically different. It was a country based on freedom. You might say, well, it seems these days a lot of our freedoms are, to be, are taken away. Uh, you know, government wants to put more and more restrictions on, and the Founding Fathers told us to protect against that. So uh, we have to be thankful for the freedoms that we do have and exercise them and try to maintain them. By comparison, I'd like to talk a little bit about Jesus and members of the church. You know, Jesus, uh, when he began his earthly ministry, he quoted a prophecy from Isaiah, and uh, this is in Luke chapter 4. You don't need to turn there, but I'll just quote it quickly. Jesus got up in front of the, the, the worshipers there and read from the scripture, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So one of the reasons Jesus came, and in some ways the main reason he came, was to set prisoners free, to provide freedom. And just as we enjoy the freedom that we have in this country, politically speaking, I want you to understand that we enjoy great freedom religiously or in our relationship with God. Since we have been called to salvation in Jesus Christ, Jesus has set us free in a couple of ways that I want to talk about today. So not only do we celebrate our freedom as Americans, we celebrate our freedom as Christians. Turn with me now to Romans chapter 6. And by the way, the title of the sermon today is The Purpose of Freedom. The Purpose of Freedom. We'll start here in Romans chapter 6. The Apostle Paul talks about the freedom that we enjoy in Jesus Christ. Romans 6, beginning in verse 17. Romans 6, 17, Paul says this, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So, a broad statement here by Paul. Through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and through our acceptance of his sacrifice on our personal behalf, we have now been set free from sin and its penalty. We should never take that for granted. We are free people, free people. We realize now that in spite of our sins, we are forgiven and that forgiven, forgiveness never departs from us. We have grace, 
We have forgiveness from God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We know, as it says here in Romans 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. This is what we deserved because of our sins throughout our life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what Jesus was prophesying when he said he came to set prisoners free, that's us. We have all been imprisoned in our lives because of sin. We've brought upon ourselves a penalty for sin, and that penalty is eternal death. Not just dying in old age, but eternal death. That has been erased, that has been forgiven, and we now stand before God as free people. You know, many people labor under the thought that somehow in the future they're going to be called upon to give an answer, you know, for all the sins that they've committed, and they will, unless, of course, they come under the mercy of Jesus Christ and under his grace and his sacrifice. We have done that. So we don't have to worry that sometime in the future are we going to make it. Will we have been good enough to enter into heaven and to receive God's glory? We don't have to worry about that because we have been guaranteed by the sacrifice of Jesus that through Jesus Christ, we will make it. We have achieved that because of Jesus, not because of our efforts. And you know, I've told you many times that come judgment time, we're all gonna stand before the throne of God and we are not gonna claim our goodness to get into heaven because we've already failed. We don't want to be judged by the law. We want to be judged by God's grace. And that's the way it will be for us. God's not going to pull any surprises come judgment time. We stand before God by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are forgiven and we have his righteousness, not our own. So again, that is a freedom that we have. And I don't know about you, but you know what? Anytime I stumble in sin, I have the assurance of knowing that even though I should not have done that and I've fallen short of what God expects of me, I know and I know that I know that I'm forgiven of it. And I don't have to worry about it. We should always be in a state of repentance to God, but we should never doubt whether he's going to forgive us or not. We are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why if you turn one page back, it says in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. What an assuring scripture that is. A scripture that gives us confidence and hope. There is no condemnation for you. In spite of the fact that you still stumble from time to time, you are forgiven. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So that's the first freedom that I want you to understand that we have in Jesus Christ. Freedom from sin. It doesn't mean we, we don't stumble occasionally and still do something wrong. We're free from the effects of sin. We're free from the penalty of sin. Jesus Christ has freed us from that. So we can walk this life with confidence. 
We know we're not perfect yet, and we don't rely on our own self-righteousness. We rely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But we should have a sense of peace. We should have a sense of confidence. We should have a sense of assurance that our reward is sure. Now, don't think, boy, Pastor John, are you going too far by saying that? Are you sure about that? I can tell you that based on the word of God, I am sure about that. And that's why Jesus has given us that freedom, that he wants us to walk this life in confidence now. We, faith and belief in Jesus and his sacrifice. And that's the way we should all feel. So, you know, on the one sense, we have a, a sense of freedom being an American. We have a lot of freedoms that we can exercise as Americans. But what's more important is our freedom as Christians and freedom as children of God to walk this life with a sense of assurance and confidence knowing that our salvation is sure, not because of us. We have failed in and of ourselves, but Jesus has come along and rescued us. And we now have freedom in him. So that's an important concept to understand. There's a second type of freedom that Paul also talks about in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I think it's important to understand this as well. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 1. Now, understand that at this time, we went into depth in this book in our uh, church Bible study. But what was happening is Paul, the Apostle Paul, was traveling around preaching the gospel. And he was telling people to come to Jesus Christ, believe in him, claim him as your savior for salvation, and you will be saved. And as Paul went from town to town, there was a group of, of people, they were called Judaizers, but they were people who were still hanging on to the Old Testament law. And as Paul was preaching, these other people were teaching the people, well, what Paul is saying is wrong. You need to still do things to be saved. You need to be circumcised. Uh, in other words, reaching back into the Old Testament they felt, well, you can't let go of those things. You still have to do those as well as believing in Jesus. But Paul was saying, don't believe those people. You have come out of your slavery to the law. The law, the old covenant law was a yoke that you used to have to wear compared to animals like oxen that would pull a plow and the, the farmer would put a yoke to kind of keep them together and keep them working in unison. Paul looked at that Old Testament law now as a yoke that you have been freed from. Okay, Notice he says in Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now what is this yoke? Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, if, if you start reaching back into the old covenant and saying that you've got to obey those laws in order to be saved, if you do that, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Okay, there's two ways of being saved. Only one works. That is faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you. 
if you believe that you still have to do all that the old covenant told you to do, you can't have both. And you know, that's one area where our denomination failed or was confused for so many years. On the one hand, we looked at Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, but at the same time, we said, well, you also have to keep doing all these things that the old covenant teaches. You know, circumcision, certain days that you had to keep and worship on, certain foods that you can eat and not eat, and, you know, right down the list, we were trying to do both. And when God brought grace to our church, it was like a light that went in on my head, and I came to understand, well, you can do both. If you still hold on to parts of the old covenant law and think that those are necessary, you're downplaying Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. If you hold on to Old Testament law, you have made Jesus' death on the cross ineffective. And when that dawned on me, I finally saw the light of what we had to do as a church. We're saved by grace alone. Not by anything that we, we can hold on to from the old covenant. And, and because those are our efforts. Salvation is totally Jesus' effort. So he says in verse 4, You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You know, we didn't really know Jesus Christ until we finally let go of the Old Covenant and all of its dictates. You have fallen away from grace. So in other words, what, what Paul is teaching here is Jesus has freed us from the Old Covenant law that we felt that we had to, to latch on to and hold on to. It's one or the other. It's the Old Covenant law or it's Jesus. And if you're going to base your salvation on keeping the old covenant law, you lose because you have already failed in it and you're doomed. So that's why you need to let go of the dictates of the old covenant. You can still do some of those things if you want to, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. He says in verse 5, But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope for. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So you might think, well, um, I don't know if I fully understand that. Well, for most of us, we kind of live that transition. And Paul is teaching us here that Jesus has freed us from what he called a yoke of slavery, and that is the old covenant law. We have moved on from that. Our salvation is not found in that. And like I said, if you want to be judged by your keeping of the old covenant law, then you've got to keep the whole law, not just parts of it. And by the way, you've already failed, and you're doomed. He says in verse 13, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So here's what it comes down to. Two freedoms, basic big freedoms that we've been given, it's freedom from sin and its penalty. That's big. That's awesome. 
that gives us now peace and confidence in this life. And also a reminder that we have also been freed from the slavery of what Paul calls the Old Testament law. Nobody can put stuff back on us saying, oh yeah, if you're a Christian, you still need to do this and you still need to do that. There's no days to be kept. We have freedom. We don't have to be circumcised. We can if we want to, but it doesn't have anything to do with salvation. You can do it for medical reasons or do it for whatever, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. God has set you free. So, you know, these early Christians were shocked and now enjoying their freedom. It's a different kind of life that God has called us to. You know, when I seek in my, my Bible how to live now as a Christian, I don't turn back to the Old Covenant. Yeah, there's a lot of good things to read in there. There's a lot of places where you find Jesus mentioned or prophesied back there and a lot of inspiring stories of different people. But I don't look to the Old Covenant to determine how I'm to live as a Christian. I look in the New Covenant because there you see the commands of Jesus. See, our focus has changed now. It's not the Old Covenant, and like I said, we've lived that transition as a church. He said, now that you've been set free, don't let that give you license to go out and sin. And some people might think that. Well, I've been forgiven. Even if I sin now, I'm forgiven, so I can pretty much go out and live any kind of crazy lifestyle I want. Of course not. Paul says, God forbid. That's not what you've been given freedom for. You've been given freedom not to indulge in the flesh, but now to serve one another in love. That's what we have freedom to do. And to do it with a clean conscience, knowing that we're forgiven of any mistakes we do make. We're not tied to an old covenant law of physical things that we need to do. We're free in Christ free now to love God and to love one another. That's the Christian life. Amen. Remember in Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? What's the greatest commandment of all of them? And Jesus told the person, Matthew 22, verse 36, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So this sums up how we're to live as Christians. There's not a lot of heavy do's and don'ts and thou shalt not. And, you know, it's a simple law. It's a simple policy. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And the rest of the Old Covenant pretty much explains how to do that. How to do it. So if you want to display God's law for you in your house, don't put up a, a plaque with the Ten Commandments on it. Put up a plaque with what Jesus says is the greatest commandment. Because the Old Testament, the Old Covenant law, the Ten Commandments were very limited. It said, don't kill somebody, but it didn't say anything about hating. The law that we follow is, in a sense, deeper 
The Holy Spirit guides us as to how to keep God's law. And we have been given freedom now to live that law. We're to love one another. And if we love one another, kind of determines how we're going to treat that other person. We're not certainly going to kill them. We're not going to hurt them. We're not going to get into arguments with them. On the other hand, we're to be forgiving. We're to be humble. We're to esteem others higher than ourselves. In fact, we're told how to love one another in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4. Okay, we're to live a law of love now. God has given us the freedom to do that. Okay, how do we do that? Well, here's a a good place to, to turn. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. This is how you love your fellow man. Love is patient, so you be patient toward them. Love is kind. Okay, you're always kind toward them. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude. You're not rude toward them. You're not self-seeking. You're not easily angered toward them. You keep no record of wrongs that have been done to you. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So you're All your relationships are going to be based on truth, not lies. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So we've been given freedom to live this life. And you know what? The fact that we're forgiven of all of our sins, the fact that our salvation is secure, the fact that our eternal life with Jesus Christ is secure should now give us the freedom and the strength and the wherewithal to live this kind of life toward all people. That's what God wants of us. To love Him. How do we love God? Well, we worship Him. We tell Him we love Him. We thank Him continually. We're appreciative toward Him. We serve Him and toward our fellow man, starting with our mate, our kids, the people we work with. This is the way we treat them. And this is just a small passage describing how to love your fellow man. You read through the whole New Testament and it describes it in more and more detail. So you see, with freedom comes a responsibility. As Americans, we have all of these freedoms that we talked about, and it should have a positive effect on how we live. Now, as Americans, unfortunately, with all of the freedoms that we've been given throughout the years, some people use that freedom as a license to do wrong. You know, I think it's ironic, as we sit here today, our prisons are overflowing with people. People have been incarcerated. People are there, in some cases, for a lifetime sentence, and they're just spending the time waiting someday to be released. How ironic to live in a free country with all of the freedoms that we've been given, but now you're in bondage because with those freedoms, you didn't live the right way. (laughs) Freedoms in America have been given to us so that we could live the right way and truly enjoy those freedoms. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't live the right way and they end up not enjoying their freedoms. Think about all of the people that have enslaved themselves to addictions. They're living in a free country. 
They have the freedom to make choices, but they're making wrong choices. And they end up putting themselves right back into slavery, right back into bondage, whether they're in prison or not. They're living a life of addiction or whatever the case may be. It's just ironic that you're living in a free country and instead of enjoying all the benefits now of the country that you live in, the freedoms and so on, to do this and to do that, you have put yourself right back into bondage. You know, we could do that as Christians, too. With all of the freedom that God has given us, we can put ourselves back into spiritual bondage. And, you know, it's not God's will for us. We need to understand the freedoms we've been given and the purpose that we've been given the freedoms. God has released us from sin and its penalties. He's released us from bondage of law, but now he wants us to live a life of love toward him and toward each other. And it's only when you do that that you truly come to understand and appreciate the freedom that God has given us. We start living like God lives. God has great freedom. He can do anything he wants. But you know what? He always chooses the right thing. Even though he's free, he chooses to do what's right. Amen. And you know, with the first human beings, Adam and Eve, you know, God gave them choice. We all have freedom of choice. And that's what gets us into trouble so many times. Because a lot of times, we stupidly choose what's wrong. But God still lets us do it. I guess that's the only way for us to learn the lessons. We have free will. We make our choices. God thinks, man, if only they would make the right choices. Use the freedom that I've given them to do the right thing. To live this new life that I've called them to live. How much they would enjoy this life. If they would only live like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, serving others, loving others, encouraging others, always being truthful, always having the right attitude. And it's unfortunate. You can live in a, in a free country, but still be in bondage. How ironic is that? God doesn't want us to be in bondage to anything. He wants us to be slaves to him. In other words, to dedicate our lives to him, to see to it that we try to live the same kind of life that he lives. A life of sharing, a life of love. That's what he's called us to do. And he tells us throughout the new covenant how to love. How to love God and how to love each other. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. First Peter 2 and verse 16. Live as free men. What does that mean? Well, now that God has set you free, and he went through a lot of trouble to set you free, <laughs> it cost the life of his son. But you are free now. Now that you come under the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you are free. Live as free men and women. Don't put yourself back into bondage to something, some sort of sin, some sort of addiction, uh, thinking that you need to reach back into the old covenant and, and, and obey this and obey that to really please God. No, he's brought you out of that. Now live this life 
of freedom. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, don't think that the freedom God has given you gives you license to sin. Because it doesn't. That isn't why God made you free. He made you free, as he says here, to live as servants of God. To live in the reality of who you are. To live in the reality of what God went through, all the work to provide for you, to be free. The death of his son. So here we are as Christians. Just as this week we're going to celebrate our freedom as Americans, we should continually celebrate our freedom as Christians. Imagine what you understand that a lot of other people don't understand. There are people in this world who get depressed and discouraged and they just can't cope with life anymore because they've so messed up their life. They've ruined it. They've upset other people. They did this, they did that, and they're, they're suffering with that. You have been given the, the revealed knowledge that all of the sins that you've committed are totally forgiven and forgotten by God. He's put that all aside. Wow. That, that, that is a reason why we shouldn't have to struggle with depression and discouragement in our lives. We're free. God has freed us. That in and of itself is priceless. But we have that knowledge and we believe that and we have understanding. But now, God says, now that you're set free, now that you have that peace, that peace of mind and that confidence and trust in God, Live your life as a life of love. Spend the rest of your life showing God how much you love him and loving your fellow man in, in any way you can. Live as free people. He didn't call you to be enslaved or to be in bondage. Don't put yourself in that kind of a situation. Live in the reality of who God called you to be. And he's taken away a lot of the negativism in our lives He's taken a lot of the things that can distract us in this life and he's put them away for us. So just stand as a free person in Jesus Christ and live your life loving God and loving your fellow man as slaves to God or as slaves to Jesus Christ because he is our sole focus and he will empower us and he will lead us along the way in teaching us exactly how to live that life of freedom that he has called us to. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this freedom, this priceless freedom that you've given us. Not just the freedom of living in this country, but the freedom of walking this life as your born-again children, your sons and daughters. And let us never take that freedom for granted. Never let us use it as a license to sin. We should use it as a license to do good. So, Father, help us to have the right focus and give us the peace of mind and the confidence and assurance in this life that come judgment time, we will stand before you, not because of anything we've done to deserve to be there, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't claim judgment based on law. We claim judgment based on mercy and grace. And we'll thank you eternally for that. And Father, not just once a year on the 4th of July, but help us to be mindful of this throughout the year, every year. And help us always to give thanks and praise to you for being the wonderful God that you are. We love you.
We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.